Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday, brought to you by Dischem. Pharmacists who care. And indeed, they certainly do. Good morning. I'm Kathy Kayla. I hope that you are enjoying this. You know, while we are still in August, you know, w- Women's Day tomorrow, our weather has been superb. It has really, we really haven't had very typical weather. So I don't know. I hope that I'm not speaking too soon. How was your weekend? How are you? I hope that you are well since I last spoke to you uh, a week ago. Tomorrow is Women's Day, and of course August is Women's Month. And so I thought we should focus DISCIM Medical Monday topics around the ails of women, what it is that ails women, and looking at women-specific issues. Today I've got a very special guest in studio. He is uh, Dr. Andreas Chrysostomou. He's a urogynecologist. Now, have you ever heard of... I think it's called a prolapsed pelvis or a prolapsed uterus or something's prolapsed. I'm going to find out what that finally means because this is the guy to ask. And um, we're talking about, so urogynecology is apparently a new discipline dealing with disorders of the pelvic floor. So that's prolapse, urinary incontinence, female pelvic pain disorders, uh, sexual dysfunction related to pelvic floor pathology. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about all of that. And um, if you'd like to get in touch, this is how you do it. And you you don't have to sign your messages, but um, especially if you would like them uh, read anonymously. And this is how you're going to ask your question, because this man is a professor. He is the go-to guy for any urogynecological issues. My tongue is really having its time working out this morning. So you want to get in touch, 34519 is the text line. Those SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can also send me a message on Telegram if you have the app, and that number is 061-895-1019, just like our call numbers, 1019. Uh, you can email on air at com, or you can tweet. But that might be like too much in the public domain, right? So if you've got any questions about uh, prolapse, about anything about that, this is the guy. Where else are you going to get access to him without making an appointment, right? So uh, make a note of those. I will mention them again in a little while. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest, Professor... Andreas Christostomou, he's the academic head of the urogynecology division at Charlotte Matseki Academic Hospital under the auspices of the University of the Witwatersrand. The urogynecology unit is recognized by the HPCSA, that's the Health Professionals Council of South Africa, and is offering fellowship degrees. That's a certificate in urogynecology. That's very impressive. Professor Chrysostomou is involved in research and publications, participating in national and international congresses extensively. I know that he takes uh, videos of the surgeries that he does, obviously with complete anonymity to the patients, and uh, really cutting, cutting edge in terms of women's gynecological health. So if you're a guy, if you're a man, you might not want to be around for the next hour. 
you know, he might not want to be listening to this. This is for us girls when we're talking to the man of the hour. Good morning. How are you, Professor? Good morning, Kathy, and thank you very much for your kind work, and thank you for the invitation. It's always a pleasure for me to participate in the community radio, be of Greek descent, uh, knowing the uh, difficulties we face as a Hellenic radio. Oh, you're involved with Pan-Hellenic radio? Is it Hellenic or is it Pan-Hellenic? Pan-Hellenic. Radio Radio Pan-Hellenic, right? Yeah. Yeah, you do a great job and you make me feel very well today. Oh, I feel good. like my house. <laughs> and <laughs> and so I'm ready to answer any question of your uh, audience. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Professor Chrysostomou, let's just talk about urogynecology. What is urogynecology? Yeah, urogynecology is, uh, is a recently recognized uh, subspecialty. And we deal mainly, as a gynecologist, we deal mainly with a pelvic floor dysfunction, with uh, what is coming with it. When I say pelvic floor dysfunction, we mean that the woman, I mean, we're addressing the people now, any woman that she has any leakage of urine when uh, she coughs or sneezes or increase in lifting stuff, any woman that she cannot make it to the toilet, I mean, that she's going uh, very often to the toilet that uh, sometimes is disturbing the sleep time. Any woman that is going to the shopping center and the first thing to look is uh, where is the toilet. I mean, they're making the mapping, to- uh, mapping of the toilet. Bra. Any woman that is having the uh, passing any flatus. Any woman that she has any sexual dysfunction, and definitely any woman that uh, the more distinct, uh, distinct uh, uh, symptom that they come to us is when they, they feel something coming, protruding through the vagina. It's like a bulging or like a ball. This is a prolapse for them. Oh, so you can, so if yeah. somebody has a prolapsed uh, or prolapsed, you can actually feel it. It's not just yeah. symptomatic. It's, it's, it's you actually feel, feel it. Okay. The main, when, when we talk in prolapse, the man, uh, the woman uh, start to uh, feel worry and ask, uh, seeking help is when she feels something coming uh, out of the, of the vagina. Like, uh, they describe it as a ball. No, when she sleeps, it's disappearing, but when she's working or is doing some work or lifting some heavy things, then she's, she's, she feel it. You feel it. This is a main reason they come, because there are others that they may have prolapse that we see in the rooms or in the consultation rooms. But uh, if the patient doesn't complain, then we just make a note and we say we follow up. We give some exercises. And, yeah. You know, you mentioned about you know people who or women who need to urinate frequently. You know that they feel that yeah. that they don't they're not in control and they're not 100 percent continent. It could also be an indication of other things, though, not necessarily a prolapse. So maybe I'm just putting no, it out to our listeners yes. that you should yes. look at all the different symptoms. So can yeah. we just go through those symptoms again? So one is either partial or, or total incontinence. Yeah. Right. You said pain during sex. Yeah. Well, actually, you didn't say that, but I'm going to add. No, we are <laughs> because sometimes uh, <laughs> the prolapse is so extended that yeah. uh, make the sex sometimes impossible. Yes. But painful sex, uh, too much. Yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons. Yes, I saw another symptom um, about passing stools. 
Like yeah. bowel movements can be very difficult. Yeah, it can be affected. It can be affected. Yeah. And also that feeling of yeah. having something protruding. Yeah. Let me put it a uh, very simple words uh, for the people to understand. Yes, because uh, I don't want to use many medical uh, terminology. But I put it as that if the building, the building is stay on the foundation. Now, if we consider that the platter, the urethra, the uterus and cervix, the vagina and the rectum, is the building, the foundation is the pelvic floor, is the muscles that they hold. It holds the, everything yeah. together. Now, uh, obviously, if these muscles, they get weak, either this is due to the normal vaginal deliveries, any injuries during the delivery, uh, aging is important, because aging is important. If this muscle system getting weak, then you, you see that the foundation or one of the buildings that I mentioned before is going to sink. Okay, I, I put it that's a very good way this to way to, for the people to understand yeah. what I say. So how important is exercise then? Okay, you know, yeah. even before we get to exercise, exercise yeah. uh, we've spoken about the, you know, the, the signs of it yeah. and the symptoms of it. Yeah. What causes it? Yeah, the cause... If we take uh, the causes I said before is uh, the main cause we believe that is uh, is happen with a parity. We observe that this is an injury that can happen on the second and third decade, but become manifest later on the fourth and fifth decade. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and this is uh, if we have something to do to prevent, we have to do it then. When in the parity, we know that the parity is since 1960. We know that parity is associated with increased fault or the the risk is increasing with the parity. And uh, I don't understand what parity is. Uh, the normal vaginal deliveries. Okay. The normal deliveries. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, parity <laughs> is the right. number is the number of the deliveries that the person okay. went through. Thank you. And uh, now. Uh, we used to say in 1960 that any woman with uh, five kids has eight, four, or eight times risk of developing prolapse or incontinence later in life. A recent study from the Oxford Family Planning Clinic in England, they say that any woman that uh, she delivers more than two kids has eight, 8.4 times risk of developing later in life either prolapse or incontinence, urinary continence, I mean liquid urine. Yeah. Then what I say is that the second main factor is the age. We, we know that as we, the woman is aging, the strength of the muscles is decreasing by 30%, but not only the strength, also the response is decreasing by 30%. Now, imagine someone to cough. Okay. Then, usually when someone is or a woman is coughing in the age of 50s and 60s, the muscle resistance prevents the urethra of becoming straight and the urine to come out. We're talking about a few drops. But immediately when the muscles, they come, they contract, is closing the urethra. Then right. it's a small amount of urine. Okay. The same happened with the prolapse, with the organs. Then we have the muscles that are weak. 
then delay to close the gap. Imagine these muscles, pelvic floor, they have the genital hiatus. There are some natural holes where the vagina is passing through and the urethra and the rectum in this rafeu, this muscle. Now, if uh, the, uh, the, the hiatus is not closing fast, then the prolapse is going to come down. It's going to, going to come down either the platter, that is a cystocele, or the rectum, or the entire uterus. Okay, because that's what I was going to ask you, is, is when one says pelvis, yeah. you know, your, your pelvic area is, is a place where your organs sit. Exactly. Your pelvis itself isn't an organ. No. Right. It's so. closing the abdominal cavity. Right. Imagine what the abdomen, and this is a closure. It's right. closing the, it's preventing the prolapse. Yes. So men and women have, you know, a pelvis. And yes. we both have organs there. Yeah. Do, can men ever have a prolapse? No, I mean, no, it, it uh, sounds like a crazy question. No, uh, no prolapse. Obviously, they not can of have a, a, a prolapse. But other organs. They have a prostate. Uh, yeah. But they do. They do have a rectal prolapse. Uh, they do. They may do present with incontinence, or with overactive bladder. That is. Uh, Overactive bladder is when the patient is going too often to the toilet. Yeah. And this is, uh, yeah. The other risk factors, except of the age, except of the number of deliveries, we say the age. We can say also the, the work that they do and the effort. We can say the chronic diseases. Chronic diseases, they put extra pressure in the abdomen. I mean, chronic cough, constipation. Uh, all these things they play a role. Hypoestrogenism, maybe when menopause, but not so. The most important is the number of uh, deliveries uh, and the age. And does it matter what kind of delivery you've had, whether you've had natural childbirth yeah. or whether you've had a cesarean? Look, we found that the elective cesarean is protective. Oh, interesting. The emergency cesarean that you get into the labor. And if the labor doesn't progress uh, the way that we expect, yeah. the, uh, it's not protective. We need to do emergency scissor, it's not protective. And then you're cutting into those muscles that are yeah. contracting yeah. because they're in labor, right? Yeah. We cut in, uh, uh, no, but they put already enough of strength on the pelvic muscle. Sometimes they compress the, the nerve, then we have the potential neuropathy that also affected the muscles later in life. So which muscles yeah. is it? Can we, can we talk about the actual muscle? Yeah, we, we can say roughly because there are many, but the main important is a pupococcygeus muscle that's around the vagina. It's a puporectalis that's around the rectum. Okay. And the iliococcygeus that is the rest. It's a pair of muscles that they meet in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's absolutely fascinating. Very fascinating, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what a and fascinating job this, you've uh, got. <laughs> these muscles in the middle, they have the physiological openings, like the urethra, yes. the vagina, and the anus. So are there, you know, with any muscles, you can build your muscles. If you want to build your heart muscle, you do aerobic yeah. ex exercise, mm. right, and you get your, your blood you get your blood flowing and you get your 
you know, you get your heart rate up. That's how you exercise your heart muscle. You want to exercise your arm muscle, you lift weights. Correct. And depending on which direction you lift is going to exercise particular and muscle, build yeah. particular muscles. So yeah. what exercises, is there a way to develop and prevent the prolapse? Yeah. Uh, you know, and and the muscles that you've mentioned, which I cannot actually repeat those names <laughs> of the yeah, muscles that I are mean, responsible for the. This product. is a reason I don't want to say many <laughs> medical things, but definitely it's a prevention. We have a prevention. Uh, the prevention is to we don't say stop deliveries, but we say to the correct way the deliveries. I mean, uh, establishing the fetal weight. How big is your baby? Because we found association, if it's a big baby, she reaches the four kilos. You have to consider to balance the pro and cons. Maybe the scissor is better than to allow that woman to go through the a traumatic uh, delivery with a prolonged second stage. This is the one. The other thing is, uh, after the delivery, they must definitely, if his deliveries happen, and you are, uh, you as a gynecologist, you have to do the episiotomy or any lacerations that may occur. It's better to be very correct repair the lacerations. And the when I say episiotomy is when the doctor is cutting your muscles in order to allow the head to come out to rather come than out. tearing. Yeah. yeah, rather than tearing. This is a good way. I mean, you can fix again the muscles. The other thing we advise the woman is to avoid the constipation, to lose weight, because the weight is a, is a risk factor not only for the, to develop a prolapse in urinary incontinence, but also is a risk factor of failing our attempts to repair the prolapse or the incontinence. Yes. Then we then need because I, what I said to my to my patient, you have to lose weight. You have to look good. You are a woman. You must look good. Deliver, that is true. Actually. Delivery of the baby doesn't save the marriage. I used to tell them this all the times. You have to look good. To lose weight is very important. We name something like a pelvic floor exercise or the Kegel exercise. This exercise, they don't only improve, they not only improve the strength of your pelvic floor, but also we found that they improve also the sexual life. So is that when you lie on the floor yeah. with your knees raised? And you so your feet on the floor but your knees raised, and you lift your pelvis up and down. Yeah, it's basically pelvic, pelvic press-ups. Yeah. What I, said to my, the yes, that what I said to my patient, because the patient they don't know which muscles they got to contract. Yes. Then I told them, okay, the muscles that you need to contract is the muscles that as you go to toilet to pass urine, when you try to interrupt the stream, when you interrupt the stream, this is the muscles I want you to contract. And then they know because... They go to toilet, they sit, they want to pass urine, and when I tell them to stop the stream, they use some muscles. These are the muscles I want them to contract when they do the pelvic floor muscle exercise. And this is a, is a set, is a three sets of ten. 
the decotrack the muscle, they keep it as much as they can, and then they relax, and they do this ten times. Do it, they do it in the morning, lunchtime, or in the evening. We observe that patients that they stick to this regime, 70-20% they can improve their their problem of incontinence, and they can strengthen their muscles. Amazing. Because now... And, and it's actually so simple. It's simple, because sometimes I told them, now I'm talking to you, I said to the patient, I'm talking to you, and I'm doing kegel exercise, and you don't know what I'm doing, because it's nothing to see. Yeah. Me, I just contracting my muscles, and I relax, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I did <laughs> question that expression on your face. <laughs> my guest is, doc, is Professor Andreas Chrysostomou, and uh, he's a urogynecologist. <laughs> if you just joined the conversation... Professor Christostomou, he's the academic head of the Urogynecology Division at the Charlotte Maseke Academic Hospital under the auspices of the University of the Witwatersrand. He's involved in research and publications. Uh, he participates in national and international con congresses extensively, and he's uh, he also has a... Um, a part-time, I think you've got a part-time yeah, uh, practice at Linksfield. Yeah. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is the guy. This is the guy to speak to about, you know, those little laughter trickles. <laughs> if that's what you're going to do, then you need to go and contract some muscles, you know, either when you're peeing or not peeing. <laughs> I think that that's a very good test, though, yeah, to, to actually see how strong the muscles are is to stop yeah. Yeah. Mainly I tell them this in order to realize which muscles they must contract. Yes. Are there any other exercises? Because you're making me a little bit paranoid. I have to tell you whatever. something. That whenever I do a disc medical Monday, whatever the topic is, if we're talking about Alzheimer's, I walk out of the studio convinced that I have Alzheimer's. You know, I'm, I'm convinced, <laughs> even though I know that I don't have this pelvic prolapse, whatever, I, I'm convinced. So, uh, yeah, it, it gets really interesting when you do yeah. shows, you know, about prostate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, there are definitely more, ex more exercise. I mean, I'm sure all the gyms, they have a specialized uh, group that they're teaching them how to do it. But the simple, th uh, simple things, uh, walking the docks yes. is good. Walking is actually better than running. Yeah. That's what I'm yeah. hearing. Working the walking is good. Uh, Sit-ups is good. It's a many exercises that you can find on the. How important is exercise during bicycle, pregnancy? Uh, yeah. Yeah, exercise during pregnancy is, is okay. We have a set of exercises. Are there special uh, exercises that you can use during pregnancy there's some to develop to those muscles for delivery mm. as well as after? Yeah, there are exercises for that uh, help the patient to. It's mainly how to. We teach the patient. Uh, we have the, some classes, antenatal classes. The name it is. Every maternity has antenatal classes where you try to to explain to the patient how to be to be part uh, of the delivery. Yes. When she must push, when she must relax to put less strength on the muscles. Uh, you know, all these things we teach them uh, there. But it's, uh, this is uh, the participation during the delivery, or better say the coordination between the attending obstetrician or the midwife and the patient uh, play a huge, uh, huge role. 
Are there economic factors that affect, um, you know, prolapses in women? So are you finding that more women are being treated for prolapse that come from, say, um, you know, upper to middle income households versus your lower income households? No, no, we didn't. We have... uh we didn't have uh, any, I believe, uh, from the number of patients I see, it's not any difference. We have the very wealthy, and we have also the very poor. There is factors because that... Because you've got uh, two different practices, yeah. so you get... I get everybody. Yeah. But uh, I observe now, because of this uh, economic uh, meltdown that has happened, and the COVID, and the people, they're losing their medical aids... I think we offer a very good service because many of these patients are the patients that they lost the medical aids, and we see enormous numbers of patients. It's not so, and now also the patient they they can uh, talk. Yeah. Uh, before it was uh, a shame to come to the doctor and say, "I have something hang- yeah. hanging down," or "I wet my my panties," or "I wet the bed." Now they are more open. They come openly out. And we don't forget that the life expectancy in the, for the woman especially is getting longer. And we expect the problem to double by 2050. Hmm. By 2050, we, accept, we expect the number of the woman over 80 to outnumber the number of the woman of 18. That's unbelievable. Then we see this is a disease of the aging and it's something that we got to see more often. And I observe that by by treating problems, any continent, the woman gain as, gain again a self esteem. If I, I I'm telling you, Kathy, they're getting younger at least by ten years. It's incredible. And I can make a photos and I demonstrate this how because they they, cope, they look well. If you fix, if the woman is coming to you with a huge prolapse, I mean, entire, let's say, entire uterus is out, and you manage, or the vault after the hysterectomy is hanging out, and you manage to put this vagina back to the position. Well, can you imagine? Jesus must be like offloading luggage. You know, this woman regained the confidence and is very I saw that personally I saw the satisfaction and how better they they face their life. You know knowing. it's it's interesting that you say that women are so much more open to actually seeking yeah, assistance. Yeah, you, yeah. And I think that maybe the internet's got a large part exactly, to do yeah. with that and, yeah, and education. Yeah. I remember a few years ago there was an organization, I can't recall what they are now, but they were trying to assist young girls or, or and in fact was it just young girls young girls or women who had a tear in the anal canal yes and can i mean it, i'm speaking to other women can you imagine that what is coming th- you know what would normally come come into your toilet is actually part of it is coming into your vagina and uh, this is uh, yeah I, I can't remember what that's called the fistula is it is a rectum vagina fistula. We get this. Uh, and that, that's also surgical repair, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a surgical repair. 
uh, a bit challenging, but it can be done very nicely by us. I'm talking, if you can reach it, we as a gynecologist, if we can reach it, we fix it. And it's a, it's a woman that is coming to you and say, I, del uh, I delivered a baby two or three years ago or recently, and I observe that the stools, they come in from the vagina. This is a, is a problem because it's a social issue. Sure. Because it's something that you cannot control. You stay always with the smell of this thing. Exactly. It affects all your relationships. It affects the relation your with relation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Then this is for us is a priority. We, we bring them in and we definitely we fix it. How common is that? It's not, very, it's not very common, but it's, I, I can say it's occurred less than one percent, but it, it's happened. And it's iatrogenic, usually. Iatrogenic means that it's a patient that she delivers, she has a laceration that wasn't fixed well. Uh, she had, uh, you know, when they cut the muscles, they cut the vagina and the muscles. And they, sometimes they cut in the sphincter of the rectum. Oh, wow. And then when they fix them, it's a little... Is that during an episiotomy? Yeah, yeah. And then it's a communication, communication between... Uh, between the, between the. Apparently, we should be dancing between right the, now. <laughs> it's a communication between the rectum and the vagina. Yeah. And then uh, this is a, we can uh, we can fix it. It's not a. You need to have the experience, uh, Kathy. And what is good for our unit is because we are in the we are in the. In the hospital, it's a university institution. So you would get to see all of these cases. And we do a I'm big, sure. uh, we do a big numbers. And this is important because uh, you gain the experience by the number of the of the patients that you perform. And you can imagine, Kathy, that by having the fellowship, the new uh, specialist obstetrician gynecologist after a. A couple of years in practice, he decided to become urogynecologist. This is a two years or f full time or four years part time program. And it's not only theoretical, it's also in theater. Yeah. We have two days a week we operate. We operate about uh, seven, eight cases a week. That is a big number that you cannot find them in private. This is a reason we have to make strong the academic units in the hospital. How, does, <clears throat> how do our academic hospitals rate compared to private care? Look, I believe in academics, and I still believe that in Charlotte-Maxeke we have a, a very good number of uh, specialists, not only gynecologists, all the disciplines. We have the best, I think, um, one of us, uh, Mervy Meris, is leading the intensive care unit in Charlo Maxeke. He's yeah. a pneumologist, uh, is well international recognized, not to mention everybody, but I think that this discipline in uh, academic, in which universities, uh, in all the academic hospitals, I think they have the most, uh, most expert. I mean, everybody asking them uh, opinion. Uh, I What's think. the difference, and I'm sorry to go off the, off yeah. the topic for a yeah. second, but what is the difference between a regular hospital, non-private, so I'm saying like a state hospital, yeah. and an academic hospital? No, is it, uh, is it the same? Is it one of the same it's thing? It's the same. I mean, we have the... So like Edenvale Hospital, is that an yeah, academic uh, uh, hospital? Yeah, because it's uh, annexed to us. It's uh, attached to... 
to our unit. Yeah. And it's a cluster. We name it cluster. And this uh, periphery hospital, all of them, they are clustered either from, uh, for Charlo Maxege or Paraguana Hospital or Pretoria Hospital. All of them, they have a good, uh, good communication by referring the cases that they cannot manage, obviously. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much. One of our listeners from Israel actually listening to us. Oh, and lovely. She's, it's so nice. You see, my listeners understand that I have a five-year-old brain and that they have to explain everything to me. So, And they're very, they're very, very clever people. I'm so this is what this listener says. Not to confuse the two exercises. Um, she says the on-the-floor butt lifts exercises exercise the outside muscles. Thank you very much. And the professor was describing the Kegel exercise, which involves inner muscles. Kegels can be done anywhere in any position without anyone knowing. And she sent a smiley face. The muscles are identified by stopping the stream of urine, but that's not the time to do them, <laughs> exclamation mark. No, no, correct. Uh, I fully agree with, uh, with your listener. Yeah. Yes. We I told say you they're so. smart, right? Our yeah. listeners are very smart. And if you'd like no, to No, she's, she's okay. I, I, <laughs> I fully agree with your listener. <laughs> My guest is Professor Andreas Krasatsumu. He's a urogynecologist. We're talking about prolapse. We're talking about urogynecology. If you've got any questions... Send them through. You don't. Know. If you like, you can call us, and uh, the number to call is oh one oh one forty thirty twenty. Got it? Oh one oh one forty thirty twenty. Or you can send a text either on Telegram or on SMS. Those SMS numbers three four five one nine from anywhere in South Africa. They are charged at one rand fifty or VAS rates, whatever your cell phone company, cell phone provider charges you. Otherwise, you can send us for free a telegram, and that number is 061-895-1019. Send through your messages. We're going to be wrapping up in about 10 minutes, so you don't have a lot of time. And I think that uh, I'm going to open it up for any gynecological questions. Is that okay, Professor? That's fine with me, yes. Amazing. My guest, Professor Andreas Chrysostomou. This is Medical Monday, brought to you with compliments of Dischem, pharmacists who care. I'm Kathy Kayla, and this is the Discam Medical Monday. My guest is Professor Andreas Chrysostomou, and he is a very, very impressive, um, very impressive professor. What can I say? Uh, he is the academic head of the Division of Urogynecology at the Charlotte Matsuki Academic Hospital at the University of the. Oh, as p- under the auspices of the University well, of... It's part of it. It's part of, okay. Yeah. Um, the urogynecology unit is recognized by the Health Professionals Council of South Africa and is offering fellowship degrees. You get a certificate in urogynecology. I love that it's newly recognized, yeah. that we're getting more and more specialized when it comes yeah. to the human body. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, Professor Chrysostomou is involved in research and publications he participates in national and international congresses extensively. If you Google him, you can go and check out all his uh, research that he's done on the Internet. You can go and read his papers. Um, you can go and see the videos that he's done. And, um, yeah, so what are the trends? What are the, what, are the, what are the latest developments in gynecology generally? In how many, how many women, I mean, I remember a few years ago reading about um, women who wanted 
to have a, I think it was a vaginal hysterectomy. Yes. Is is that really something that happens here? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Actually, uh, this is where, this is where the whole hysterectomy, hysterectomy is done through the vagina, rather than having any cutting. Is correct. That correct? Uh, we prefer and uh, we offer uh, extensive training, and actually, I was part of the International Society of Gynecological Endoscopy to develop the guidelines for vagina hysterectomy. The benefits uh, of vagina hysterectomy they are those of the minimally invasive hysterectomy. Yes. Meaning that uh, it's fast. Yes. It's quick recovery. How quick? Two days. Really? Even the next day they can go home after the operation. That's incredible. Yeah. And what about the whole driving story? Because I remember yeah. years ago, many, many years oh. ago, when uh, a family member had hysterectomy, there was no driving for six weeks. It, no, was, it, was no, a big, because, it was a big deal. Yeah. Look, f- for us, no, because, uh, you, uh, Kathy, you see, uh, by, avoiding, uh, by, by avoiding the cutting or the incision, definitely the pain is much less. Yeah. You avoid these painful scars. Immediately you can go home and you start uh, working, uh, you know, cooking, do the small things. I yeah. mean, we tell them to avoid to lift the heavy stuff, but... The driving after a week is not a problem. Or That's to, incredible. Yeah. So is this is this the way that more and more women are having hysterectomies? Yeah, uh, because you see... Is that like the, your first choice now, to do it that way? The first choice. In 1989, was uh, like a revolution when came in the uh, total laparoscopic hysterectomy, the keyhole. Yes. You know the keyhole. But well, also, the keyhole surgery. Yeah, yeah, right. They, they make uh, three or four little holes in the abdomen, and they facilitate the removal of the uterus through the vagina. Yes. We what we say that uh, the minimal invasive hysterectomy is there for 2,000 years was performed by uh, before even Jesus was born. Yeah, probably in the Egyptians, p- they were quite big the into Greeks, the, the Greeks. Greeks. Uh, you see. <laughs> <laughs> Was measured, <laughs> no, was the first mention was by Soranus, uh, in 50 BC was, uh, Themitos and this type of thing. But we have to see that from the beginning it was done very sporadically because it was a sepsis, it was an infection, and usually the patient. But, um, in the 18th century when we start having the antibiotics, antibiotics and better anesthetics and everything there, yeah. uh, vagina hysterectomy was very, very high in fashion. And actually, uh, Doyen was a famous gynecologist surgeon that he said that uh, who cannot perform uh, vagina hysterectomy, then he's no gynecologist. Oh, well, there you go. That's putting it right there. Um, they, so mes- they understand the importance of uh, offering the vaginas. It's incredible. It's incredible. And how many doctors and how many gynecologists are offering it now? Or is, is that now the standard? No, we try to push. I mean, this is a part of our training. We give a lot of vagina hysterectomy. But it's uh, obvious, Kathy, must be up to a size. Eh? Right. I mean, if the patient is coming with a multifibroid uterus or is not feasible to remove it vaginally, then you have to, we have to train them how to do also the, uh, yeah. uh, the abdominal hysterectomy. But what are our rates in Johannesburg here? 
half of the hysterectomies are performed vaginally yeah. because we institute a program, a teaching program for the new generation of people They come out because uh, you can imagine if, you, if someone becomes a specialist without to know how to do vagina hysterectomy, then he's not going to teach. But if we develop a new generation of uh, obstetrician gynecologists that they are able to perform vagina hysterectomy, then they are going to do vagina hysterectomy. Um, absolutely fascinating. Um, some of our some messages coming yeah. through for you, Professor. Yeah. And my um, guest is Professor Andreas Christostomou. If you've got any questions, we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes. So send them through. 34519 is the SMS line. And, you know, you've got the top guy here. And, uh, you know, the best way to actually ask him a question is to ask him a question now. Otherwise, you're going to have to make an appointment, which you might do anyway. Uh, Trudy wants to know, she says, can one consult with him privately, or does one have to go through the system? In either way, either way, they can come to, I can give the number for the hospital. No, so, so where are you practicing? <laughs> you're practicing at Charlotte Matsuke, and that's, yeah. that's where you go through the system, right? Yeah, yeah. And... Where else they can, can go through the uh, peripheral hospital as well and to refer them to us is okay. not a problem. Okay, so the what is easiest hospitals? for them? What is easiest for them? Okay. But, uh, they and you said that you're also part-time at Linksfield? At Linksfield, right? yes. Linksfield Clinic? Yes. Okay, what does part-time mean? Part-time, you see, we have this uh, system that we must, uh, we need a permission by the hospital to allow us to do limited private practice. Okay. Then we have special hours that we we spend in the private okay. facilities. Okay. And how do you how do you manage it? Can the one practice talk to the other? So I mean, could you see somebody in private practice, but they actually have a condition that you feel would be of benefit to the doctors at the academic hospital that they then have the surgery there? No, definitely it happened uh, many times. I mean. If the patient has uh, a lot of comorbidities yes. that they need to, let's say, congestive heart failure or, or unstable or malignant hypertension, or this condition that they need uh, uh, different disciplines to be involved in the case, then it's better to have it in the academic institution. Also, the patient that they may not have... Uh, covered by their private, uh, by their medical age. I mean, these people, they have to go through the system to reach the, uh, my unit to right. perform the... Okay, so there you go. You can consult with uh, yeah, Dr. Either way, no, yeah. privately. Uh, another message says, uh, I know, unsigned says, I know it's off topic, but can you please ask the professor if there are any state-funded fertility clinics? That's a great question. Thank you so much. State-funded fertility clinics? Yeah. Yes, we have a state-funded fertility clinic in Pretoria. Yeah. And we are in the process to organize one in Charlotte Maxiake. Really? And this is uh, in correlation with the private sector. I mean, you know, infertility is not only the gynecologist, it's also, also the biologist yes. that is working. I mean, if we're talking about the, if it's a male factor infertility, this is much easier because you can take the sperm of the husband, wash it, and do what we call uh, intrauterine insemination. That you give a lot of estrogen to the woman to prepare the endometrial uh, pet, 
and when she's ready, you just take the sperm and the egg of the woman and you put you, them together. No, no, you take oh. only the sperm, you induce ovulation and you inject the sperm into the uterus. This is intrauterine insemination, yeah. it's not uh, IVF. When oh, we say, interesting. yeah, IVF is more complicated meaning, and more expensive. <laughs> Meaning that they need to collect the eggs of the woman, the sperm from the husband, or, or a donor sperm, if it's a problem with his sperm. Then they mix in the cells together, and when the embryo is starting, they put it in the uterus. So what, do, what is the name of this uh, state-funded... Um, it's in Pretoria, it's Pretoria Academic Hospital, if they, okay. if they Google, Pretoria Academic Hospital infertility unit. Amazing. And are there specific criteria or can anybody who's Look, before was the age was one of the criteria. But now recently I think they increased the age. I mean, if you take the international law about the age, uh, they allow the woman up to the age of 52. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. It's good for Jennifer Lopez, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if she tried to... <laughs> <laughs> okay, another message. Hello, how do we make an appointment with the professor in private? So you need to get hold of his rooms at yeah. at uh, Linksfield. Yeah, <laughs> Linksfield Clinic. Linksfield Clinic. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Professor Andreas Christos Thank you very, very much for your good nature, your good humor, and for sharing your expertise with us today. Uh-huh. You are definitely a keeper, and we're definitely going to get you back. There's so many things I want to talk to you about. Vaginal reconstruction and all these... Reju- plast- rejuvenation. Yes, rejuvenation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. You know what I told them? I told them, use it more. <laughs> <laughs> and may you have a wonderful week where you get to use it more. <laughs> because, of course, tomorrow is Woman's Day. Yeah. And uh, just bear in mind that tom- if you're not doing anything tomorrow, in fact, even if you are doing something, you should bring the family along to Melrose Arch where we are going to put women in cars. But not just any cars. We're going to put you in a two and a half million rand Audi e-tron and you get to take it for a drive. So come on. <laughs> and to any men listening, if you bring your wife, you might get to use what she has for the rest of the week. That's <laughs> big points. So uh, we'll see you 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. tomorrow. I wish you a wonderful week, a joyful week, and just be well. God bless. I'm Kathy Kalen. This has been Diskim Medical Monday. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you very much.